0: Out for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team my name is Rick Clark and with me as always the co-builder of the best wilderness survival shelter at Camp Easton in 2005 or at least I think it was 2005 Mr. Bo Chisholm Bo how's it going tonight
1: Things are going well. I'm, I want to see how many of these introductions you have left. So that's, just, that's a reason alone to keep the podcast going. So that is, that is beautiful. But anyways, things are going well here in the greater Seattle area. Um, kiddo is asleep, or at least I think he's asleep right now. And baseball is in full swing. So really never better here in the, uh, in the, in the Kenmore area of Seattle.
0: The, the the beautiful Kenmore area. Have you been to the Kenmore Lane since I've I've been over there?
1: We have not I, been back to the Kenmore Lanes yet, but we are. We we're gonna we're gonna get over there sometime. I don't know when, but we'll get back over there. Yep.
0: I I don't remember the bartender's name, but she was super nice. Shout out to that bartender. I don't remember your name. I know my wife does, Abby. You'll remember Abby. You know. So if you're listening to this, hi. <laughs> Before we get into it, I just want to say thanks everyone for taking your time to listen to the podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. You know, we we got a few shows under our belt. We're feeling pretty confident with it. Um first-time listeners, hey, you're catching us at a good time. We're we're kind of getting into the swing of things. And uh thank you for choosing the Forks Down podcast and hopefully we can keep your attention long enough that, you know, you listen to us outside of this episode. Um you know, if you haven't on already done this, um, we've got social media pages. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, um, by searching forks down podcast. We had Twitter. We don't have Twitter anymore. We're not going to talk about that. So don't go to Twitter, find us on Facebook and Instagram. And then if you want to get updated when we drop new episodes, um, whatever podcast listening app that you're using, whether it be Spotify, anchor, uh, Amazon music, uh, one of my forgetting apple podcast all that stuff um go ahead and hit like or subscribe and uh you know you'll get notified when we drop new episodes um i've been making it a point to drop them on tuesday that's what we're going to do going forward um and we're, we're getting a little bit better about the timing of things so you know it'll usually be about tuesday afternoon tuesday night four or five in the afternoon so you know definitely uh Definitely do that if you haven't already. And again, thank you for coming back and, and supporting us. So with that being said, that was a mouthful. Um, Well, there's been a bunch of transactions this last week since we last talked. A um, couple guys I thought we could get on the Mariners that signed elsewhere. Uh, one big contract to one Aaron Judge. Um, yeah, why don't you kick us off with that?
1: Sure. I mean, Aaron Judge, going back to the Yankees, um, I mean, at this point, it's like nine years, $360 million. I mean, really, what is money at that point? But um,
0: yeah. Which wasn't even the biggest contract he got offered. He turned down money because he wanted, I mean, that's a lot of money, but he he left money on the table to sign back with the Yankees, which I figured he'd do all along.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that was the... I think the Yankees were the front runner. I kind of thought the Mets were going to get involved at some point, but I think the Mets had... Obviously, they had thoughts in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it's a lot of money. Um, I uh, It kind of seems like the Yankees are getting the band back together, right? With, like, Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge. And, um, you know, I just wonder if uh, that's the right way to go. But... Um, you know, Aaron Judge, I think is certainly going to be a good ball player for, I think the next couple of years. I think the end of that contract, like a couple of the other contracts that have been signed this off season, might be a little bit of a, a little bit of a pain, a little bit of an albatross. But, um, I mean, overall, yeah. I mean, I think Aaron Judge is going to be a really good baseball player for at least the next couple of years. So. Um,
0: oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He's going to be in the top five AL MVP voting for at least five of the nine years. I would, I would imagine. You know, that's if his body holds up. He's a, he's a big guy, you know, six nine, six ten, almost. He's pushing 300 pounds. So, you know, maybe we see towards the end of his contract, he uh, takes up the DH role. You know, um, I, I can't imagine they're going to keep Giancarlo Stanton on the roster much longer. You know, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't been worth what he's getting paid. So um, definitely could open up a DH spot and, you know if he's still productive with the bat, I would put him there towards the end of that contract, but yeah.
1: It's a big one. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of a whole other slew of, I feel like money is money is plentiful this off season. Um, You know, I think the, and I guess it kind of opens up a little bit of a question, right? But like Brandon Nemo signed for eight years, right. Um, For, uh, you know, twenty million dollars per season. Right. Which mm-hmm. was, I think the years and maybe not the average annual value, but like the years is just way more than I thought like he should go for. Right. Um, oh yeah. And um, I feel like way more than what they should have gone for has kind of just been a theme of the off season so far. Right. Like, Yoshida with the Red Sox got more years and I guess maybe about the same amount of money I thought, but got more years. Trey Turner got a huge deal. Xander Bogart's got a massive deal. You know, the Padres finally had somebody to take their money. And like, Mm -hmm. it just kind of money is flying around and it feels like the market is, I don't know. feels like inflation has hit baseball as well in a way, right? It just kind of seems like, I don't know. It seems like the price for the price for a baseball player has gone way up. Right. And, um, oh, yeah,
0: I mean, I sent you a message earlier this week. Well, earlier last week, um, about Kodai Singa going to the Mets. And I kind of laughed cause he got five years, $75 million. It's like, you know, this guy, he, he could turn out to be a, a dice game Matsuzaka, or he could turn out to be a, uh, a freaking use uh kikuchi you say kikuchi so it's like he's getting a lot of money and it that's kind of been the theme you know that's i'm glad mitch got a three-year deal i don't know if i i think the mariners were right not paying him 43 million dollars that's a pretty big number you know it's a number i would have done ultimately but um Nemo getting a lot of money senga getting a lot of money yoshida getting a lot of money um you know it it is flying around and, and the thing you responded with was, well, it looks like the market's resetting itself. You know, that's, it, it's, yep. it's not an overpay if that's what the market is now.
1: Basically, Yeah. I mean, if everybody's getting, you know, if everybody's getting paid a lot more years, right. Like nothing's really becoming an overpay, right. We just have to catch up to what the market is. And, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, I think the challenging part is like we've become anchored to like you know these deals that we kind of all thought made sense right and like even if you go on fan tra- fan graphs which is really good about like their free agent trackers right and they're they get pretty close on like because they crowdsource them right and they get really close on like averaging the values and your totals and everything else and like everything's just getting blown out of the water there like none of the predictions are close or anything like that right and it's just um, yeah, it I've pays seen, to be a baseball I've, player nowadays.
0: Yeah, I've seen at least two or three people that said Yoshida probably got double what we thought he was going to go for, like, like that was a big number and people weren't expecting that. So, yeah, maybe the market's that way. And that's what we're going to have to pay, and I, you know, that's hard because as a Mariners, as a Mariners fan, we typically don't pay people.
1: Yeah, and I guess where I'm kind of coming from is, I don't know, maybe we all had too high of hopes, right? Um, It just kind of felt, I guess, and maybe, I, I don't know how we took, maybe we all interpreted Jerry and Justin's statements in a different way, right? But like... You know, Jerry was talking about, oh, we're looking for somebody that can move to shorts, that move to second base, or can play second base, right? And I think maybe we all interpreted that as like, oh, we're in on Xander Bogarts, or we have a outside, outside chance of signing Trey Turner, right? Um, yeah. And then like even the discourse around Carlos Correa, oh, we could sign Carlos Correa. But like the harsh reality was that like I don't think we were ever in on any of these guys, right? Like Even Brandon Nimmo, who I really thought like that was a really good option for the Mariners— like, mm-hmm. I think realistically, we probably made a call, but like, we weren't even close on any of these guys, right? Like, that's the harsh reality. Just like, even though we're this close, it just seems like we are, we are, we're not going to be in the free agent market, certainly this year. Maybe like, if we'll get Michael Conforto or somebody, but it's just, the, it's just a real cold reality. If you feel like when it comes to free agency, I feel like the Mariners are just, not going to make a splash and i don't know i don't know if that's
0: ever going to change i guess i mean you gotta you gotta feel like something like the robbie cano deal probably had an effect on that i mean a lot of the uh a lot of the earlier teams i know historically the mariners haven't been the greatest team but um a lot of those teams were built from uh within you know we made a lot of trades to get people and you know we had guys like ken griffey and a rod kind of build their way up through the system and then come up and be potential hall of famers. Well, at least Ken Griffey, you know, um, I, I think A-Rod should be in there, but that's a debate for another day. Um, you know, and so when Robbie Cano got his deal, um, you know, the Mariners typically don't do that. And I, I think it kind of scared them away when it kind of burned us, you know, we're really, really surprising. You know, we had a taker on that deal towards the end, with the Mets, but you know, you saw we had to give up. Who you could argue is the best pitcher, in, the best relief pitcher in baseball, um, Eddie Diaz. So, um, you know, it, we are getting built from within. You know, just just to cap that off, because we've got we've got a good future with the guys that we have: Logan Gilbert, George Kirby. You know, hopefully, Kelnick. You know, picks it up. You know that's that's a tough one, but I mean, Julio came through the system and and is gonna be a star. So, and then we're filling where we need with trades. So, yeah, yeah, I, it's, I don't. It's kind of yeah. not a shock with the free agents.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I don't disagree. Like I feel like we're building a team, and you know, I think we are objectively better right now, right, than we were at the end of the season. I think we just are. Colt Long is better than Adam Frazier. Um, Teoscar Hernandez I think has a better has a good chance to stay healthy right can probably put be more productive on a total season basis than Mitch Hanager, right I think <laughs> where I think where I struggle with is like um, I don't know how long windows like of opportunity last right and like this is the first time I would say in this modern era of Seattle minor baseball that we are we are on the cusp of something, right? Um, mm-hmm. And um, I just, uh, I hope that those times can continue, right? But like, um, you know, I just wonder what like an Andrew Penn attendee, like signing an Andrew Penn attendee, like one person else can come in, right? Like adding mm-hmm. a little bat here, adding a little bat there, right? Like just one extra person, right, could do to this team, right? And take this team to the next level um mm-hmm. and i just hope that you know i think i think jerry and team yes they're building something now um you know i think they, they've got a good farm system they've figured out how to develop players i think at a steady rate now better than former um administrations right um yeah. so i think they've got a good f- funnel to do it but i just wonder like if just that extra bat right like how nice would that have felt to have like an extra bat in the astro series and especially in that last game against the astros right like I just hope we're not, you know, going back to that same statement like, oh, I hope we had an extra bat this time next year, right, in the playoffs when, like, there are plenty of opportunities to sign numerous different corner outfielders and we didn't take an advantage of, like, a good one, right? And I'm all for yeah. the process. I'm all for, like, um, you know, we can see what we got with Jared Kalenic. We can see, you know, maybe we take a flyer on Michael Conforto. Maybe we see what we got with Cade Marlowe. Uh, Maybe we try to explore a trade with Max Kepler or Brian Reynolds, but um, I just, uh, I don't want the future to also scare us into not spending money. Right. Like I know we want to resign, you know, we want to resign all these guys in the future, George Kirby or Cal Raleigh or Logan Gilbert. But like, there's also no guarantee that we're going to sign those guys again. Right. Like look at what the price of free agents are going for now. Right. Like if I'm a player, I just want to get to free agency as fast as I can. Right. So,
0: um, but I mean you can I, I, you, you can argue we're in a better ship to re-sign those players with not signing you know the free agents this year next year but
1: that's true that's true that's true um I just uh if they want to re-sign with us that's awesome right but like if they want to go to free agency right where everybody is getting paid now right everybody's getting paid a lot of money right um you know, they're going to have to like the Mariners and want to stay here, I think, in order to take a discount, honestly. Like, that's kind of where my perspective is with it. And, um, I, uh, yeah, I again, I, I trust the process. We are objectively better. We are still, I think, a top five team in the AL, maybe a top three team in the AL. Um, I, you know, I think we still have a lot of options with, with the trade market, whether it be... Um, Brian Reynolds or Randy Orozarena or Max Kepler, right? Like a couple of those names that are out there. And, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I think that's Jerry's had success in that and done that pretty well. So I think we still have a lot of good options, but um, I'll still hold on to, you know, I, I'm not going to hang my hat here and say like, Oh, we need to go out and get Andrew Benintendi. Right. But like, um you know if someone complains in the playoffs about like oh the offense just couldn't put it together we just couldn't get it together right like we had a golden opportunity to sign somebody this offseason to do it and we just punted on it right like these windows of opportunity don't last very long right look at the cubs Mm -hmm. the cubs were a good team in 2016 and then it never really never really formed up ever again right like um these windows of opportunity unless you can like really really build something is just they're not, they're not going to be forever things unless your team is really, really good at producing, which maybe the Mariners are now, right? So that's my mm-hmm. that's my two cents, right? It's like, I just don't know. I'm hopeful that this could continue, right? And we can continue on this path of doing this with all these players. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what all incurs. But, um, you know, that's the way I feel about it.
0: How much of it do you think is Jerry seeing, like, you know, just in theory, seeing what the Braves are doing right now? You know, they're picking up guys and they're extending them. You know, Michael Harris Jr. got a five-year deal. And, you know, they have, I think it was eight or nine people that um, that have got deals the last couple of years, um, you know, to extend them for five, six years. You think Jerry's looking at that and going, you know, that's, that's what I want to ultimately do with the Mariners?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that's definitely... And listen, Jerry gets the benefit of the doubt, right? Jerry has built the team that he has right now doing the methods that he has, right? Um, Developed, you know, draft and trade and, um, you know, Jerry's built the team that he has right now. So you got to give him and the team the benefit of the doubt so far, right? Um, yeah, I think especially, I, you know, I think um, a lot of people would look at, I mean, yes, I think a good example of that is um, Evan White, right? Yeah. Um, and granted Evan white has certainly not worked out the way that we intended Evan white to work out. Right. But the Mariners did extend Evan white. They gave him a contract extension a couple of years ago. Um, and it's, it's weird to think that the Mariners are going to be paying, um, yeah, they're going to be paying Evan white $8 million in 2025, which is kind of odd. Cause I just don't know if Evan white's going to be on the Mariners at that point. But, um, and I think, yeah, I think anyone in the industry would tell you that, um, the Acuna deal, right? Acuna is only making seventeen million dollars this year. He's gonna make, um, yeah, he's only gonna make seventeen million dollars through his, you know, arbitration years here through through twenty twenty six. That's a heck of a steal, right? Like whichever way you look at it, that's a heck of a steal. Michael Harris, they extended Michael Harris out. Like the fact that they're only gonna be paying that guy twelve million dollars at the end of twenty thirty is impressive, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I mean. Yes, there's some goodwill, right? Like, if you develop a player and, you know, they love the team, I think Luis Castillo honestly probably gave the Mariners a little discount because he just is likes the team and he wants to win. So um, the mm-hmm. Mariners probably need a little bit of that, right, um, going forward if they want to extend some of these guys. But, yes, I do think the Braves are a good blueprint for, like, a homegrown team that you can try to build and keep at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, Kind of circle back something that you said. Um, or something that you brought up. Uh, you know, a bunch of players on the trade block right now for different teams. Obviously the big one is uh, Brian Reynolds from the pirates. Um, one thing you put in the notes, Bo pirates are seeking a Juan Soto like package, um, which it's kind of mind boggling to me just because Brian Reynolds is a good hitter, but he's not like Juan Soto good. Um, okay. So, do you say the Mariners go down that path to try to get him? I mean, I know there's other teams in on him, but say the Mariners are on that path to go get him. Do do we have a realistic shot at getting him? Like, do we have the the farm system to bring him in?
1: Um. So I, th- so if it's a once, if it is a true one, Soto like package. Um, I'm less certain of that. Right. Um, and I don't even know if I would want to give up that much for one Soto. Right. Uh, for one Soto, uh, for Brian Reynolds, I don't think I would want to give up as much as, um, the Padres gave up granted the, um, I think it was just kind of like the numbers, right. The number of players that went back for one Soto, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think you're talking about Jared Kalinick would be part of that deal. Um, Mm-hmm. i think honestly like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to i think you're gonna have to give up dollar and hancock right off the top um mm-hmm. and then um you know if you you're gonna want to continue down that path you're probably still gonna have to give up like uh a lazaro montes or a mm-hmm. couple other um like a gabby gonzalez on top of that right like if you're going to go that route, yeah. it would have to be the numbers game of just like five or six prospects, maybe a seventh prospect if they really want to get crazy with it. Um, either that, or I'm sure that the pirates have said, Oh yeah, we'll just do it for George Kirby and Jared Kalenic. Right. Or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised at all, but like no, no world. I don't think we're going to give up George Kirby or Logan Gilbert for, for Brian Reynolds. So
0: um,
1: yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Cause like, brian reynolds he had a really good 2021 right like if the pirates were going to trade him they should have traded him out last offseason like that's when he would have commanded a lot more because he did not have as great of a 2022 um Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i just think that's going to be that's going to be too much i think it's going to be too much too rich for the mariner's blood unless the pirates really want to change their tune which i don't know if they're going to so we'll see yeah Um, How did you feel about, um, I know we talked about, uh, you know, early on in the year about one of our favorites and it looks like he has re-signed with the Mariners, at least on a minor league deal. Um, Our boy Casey Sadler, how do you feel about um, him coming back on a minor league contract?
0: I think that's a great deal. And I think he brings a lot to the table. Um, I think this season is definitely a season that he needs to show that he could stay healthy you know, and, and come in and, and do that. And I, I think he's going to be a big part of the bullpen. I mean, it's a minor league deal, but I think there's absolutely a chance that he cracks the opening day roster and he's one of the guys that, um, Surveyus uh, relies on, you know, going forward, be a, be a le- high leverage situation guy. So good, good news. And him, you know, getting signed back with the Mariners, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. How do you feel on that? Probably
1: same Z's same Yeah. I mean, uh, we'll see if he can slot into the bullpen somewhere next year. Right. Um, mm-hmm. there's, a, I think obviously we still need a lefty in the pen somewhere. So he's going yeah. to, he's going to kind of have to fight off. We also just recently, we also just signed Trevor Gott, who I think has kind of definitively got a bullpen spot for right now. Right. So he's kind of competing mm-hmm. with, festa and murphy and i don't know if i festa and murphy for another spot right so um, i think he
0: certainly could beat festa M- murphy i think i don't know i think murphy's got a definite shot to you know have a have a big role next season i think murphy is good i think his main competition is going to be festa so
1: yeah and i mean honestly um uh, you know, Jerry likes to trade relievers, um, so I mean, if we go, I mean, that might give us a little more depth if he wants to go move um, Castillo, or if he wants to include Matt Brash in like a Brian Reynolds trade or something, right? He might have the ability to do that with you know a little extra depth there, and like also that also brings in the Mariners did pick uh, Chris Clark in the Rule Five Draft, um, mm-hmm. just another uh, another ready out of the the Cubs system. Um, mm-hmm. he'll have to hang out on the. He's on. He's he has on the twenty six man roster, um. Mm-hmm. But the Mariners, uh, Mariners, if they want to send him back, they have to place him on waivers, and um, I think they have to pay a fee of some sort if they want to send him back or you know do that process. But um, I think
0: that I think the Cubs get first pick, right, to take him back.
1: Yeah. The, yeah. I think so. I think the rules for the rules are a little different now, just given the CBA, but there's a whole fee that the Mariners have to pay and everything else. So it's a little mm-hmm. different. I think the, I think, I think the Cubs get the opportunity to take him back, but um, yeah, he did start 17 games last year at double a, um, you know, mm-hmm. had a pretty good season for the most part. The ERA was not good great but the era i don't think it's the whole story there um you know struck out eight per nine only walked two per nine last year um i think uh i think he's got a good shot to you know maybe get a spot start or something right um yeah but we'll see he's i mean obviously the thing with the rule five draft is he's never played in the majors before so he's gonna make bj making a jump from double a to the majors um and we'll see if uh we'll see if we want to hold on to him so um did you want sense. to talk
0: about any of the other Rule 5 guys while we're on the subject cuz I know we picked a couple in the minor league system. Are they gonna are they big enough names to talk about now or should what are you feeling?
1: Um you know the minor league the minor league Rule 5 is kind of um I would say it's a little more lottery pickish, right? Like um a lot of those guys aren't gonna really crack like I would say even like the top 30 prospect list, right? It's probably guys that like Um, a scout saw at a game and really liked or a scout saw or scouted him for a little bit and wanted to take a flyer on him. So I don't know if there's anybody really of note that I would pick there yet. Right. But, um, you know, I think uh, the scouting system and the farm system and everybody involved there has done a good job at finding these guys. So maybe something comes out of that, but um, you know, we'll see how those all shakes out with them.
0: Yeah. I, if I heard people, right. With the minor league portion, I'm pretty sure the Pirates lost like a whole starting nine in the minor league section. Oh,
1: really? I think it
0: was the Pirates. They lost like a whole, someone was like, this team was, you know, all these players were on this team yesterday. Today, they all got drafted by different teams, but in the rule five drafts. So <laughs> yeah, w- which is, which is something you don't hear often. So huh, the Pirates um, have a,
1: the Pirates have a def- decent farm system. So I'm not surprised by that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. very decent farm system not a great MLB team but (laughs) um yeah so that was uh that's basically the the week that was this last week I mean there was nothing else the Mariners really did um kind of to the chagrin of a lot of people you know and that that comes down to our you know conversation beforehand you know if the Mariners are uh wanting to spend money or not um but you know, we'll, we'll give it another week and we'll see what happens. You know, maybe, maybe we swing a Michael Conforto or, you know, pick up a, a Brian Reynolds, which would just be wild to me, but yeah. So,
1: yeah. And I, just, I think just to put a cap on it, right? Like <clears throat> the team is objectively better, right? I don't think anybody would disagree with that or shouldn't disagree with that. And, um, I'm, uh, yeah, I think I think we are still going in the right direction, and I think you know we've built a system, we've built a team with what we have thus far, and um, even if we don't get anybody, I think the team is going to be just fine. So, um, yep,
0: yep, we're still going to compete this season, and and uh, we're going to hopefully compete for the next few seasons with with the team we've we've built. So, yep. um, Abby just texted me by the way, the bartender's name at Kenmore Lands was Cat. So, Cats. so, Cats. shout out, cat, if you're listening, we miss you. We'll be back to to Kenmore soon to come and uh, drink more of your uh, high rev coffee. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, this week our our meat and potatoes. Um, you know we're continuing to focus on a couple teams each week. Um, just just building. Um, who we think the Mariners are going to have the biggest competition from? Obviously, the first two weeks of this has been the AL West teams. You know, first week it was Texas and Houston. Uh, Last week it was the Angels and A's. So this week we're covering two teams that we could absolutely see in the wild card. One of which we saw in the wild card last week, and one of which we see could be a contender. Um, you know, both of them come from the AL East. We are probably going to do one more week of this next week. And we're going to cover a couple teams out of the AL central right now. We're covering AL East teams, potential wildcard teams. And, uh, Bo, why don't you kick us off? Cause you picked the team that we just, um, we, we had our last series win of the season against. So yeah, take it away, Bo.
1: Sure thing. Yep. So the, the Toronto blue Jays, um, from the, uh, from the great white North, um, they are a offensive first team. Um, I think we, we saw that in the, in the playoffs. Um, Mm -hmm. I would argue that, um, uh, I would argue that they probably have the best offense in the, in the AL, right. Um, I think that of, of all the teams, um, in the AL, um, they are. They are. Well, they are the best. Absolutely, I think they are the best. Um, yeah, I think the Yankees last season came into a close second. Um, the Yankees had kind of a kind of a downfall, I would say, which kind of allowed the the. I guess they didn't play as well in the second half. What I'm saying, um, which allowed the mm-hmm. Blue Jays to kind of lift it up. Um, mm-hmm. The Blue Jays in the second half were a 600 baseball team, right? They went 50 and 43 in the first half of the year. And they went 42 and 27 down the stretch. So they kind of got better as the time went along. Right. Um, which also coincided with their pitching, getting a little bit better in the second half of the season. Um, but uh, the blue Jays have, um, uh, I'll give some notes here. The Mariners were five and two against the blue Jays last year. Um, so they had a pretty decent record against them. Um, they will play six games in 2023 against the blue Jays. Um, And, uh, I think to kind of go back to what, um, I think is big for them is this that they are incredibly right-hander heavy, right? Um, which is, uh, why they kind of sought out to make a trade, um, which the Mariners were a part of. Um, and we were able to go get today Oscar Hernandez. Um, I think the curious part is that, um, I think the Blue Jays made that move under the, um, under the expectation that the left-handed batter market this year would be a little bit better for them. Right. I think they mm-hmm. were a team just like a lot of other teams that really thought they were going to be in on Brandon Nimmo. Um, and that didn't really come to fruition. So like roster resource has them penciled in as one through eight right now is all right-handers, all right-hand batters. Right. Um, Who,
0: who's their ninth? Is is it tapio?
1: So they just right. signed. They just signed. They literally just signed Kevin Kiermeyer. and Kevin Kiermeyer right now is penciled in as that, as that uh, nine-hole hitter um, batting left. So um, I still think it's kind of a. I think it's. I think it's still a pretty big hole in their roster. Right. It's like I don't know, like they're kind of looking for a big bat. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and if they were going to keep going right hand or heavy, I don't know why they would have traded Teoscar, Right. Um, other yeah. than their bullpen really has some holes that I think they needed to fill, which is Eric Swanson is, you know, Eric Swanson swatted almost right behind Jordan Romano right now in the bullpen. Right. So Eric Swanson is mm-hmm. a breath away from the closer role. So, um, that goes to also just what we saw, right. As the Mariners saw in the playoffs, just their bullpen is, um, somewhat suspect. So, um yeah. But uh I think going to the offense, you know, um uh, I don't know if he's one of your favorites. Is Vladi is Vladdy Jr one of your favorites or yes or no?
0: I am very middle of the road on him. I don't dislike him. Mm-hmm. But he's also not one of my favorites. I like to watch him. I like to watch. Him. I like to watch all the the good players. The Otanis, the Vladis you know, I like to see them do well. But, you know, yeah. Just, I don't catch many Toronto games. I don't go out of my way to catch their games.
1: Yeah, I get you. I think the funny part about Vladdy is like um he's just I feel like he's very close to like putting it all together, right? Mm-hmm. Um you know, he was he was kind of I want to say average now this so year. He had like a he did have a 351 on weighted on base percentage, right? But like um you know, he had a 420. A 419 awaited on base percentage the season before. He was really lights out the year before, right? Um, and, yeah. uh, he just, he hit the ball on the ground more this year. He didn't pop the ball. He didn't, you know, he had less fly balls, just didn't get any balls out of the ballpark. But
0: I kind of feel yeah. like
1: that team is going to be driven by him a little bit, right? Like,
0: mm-hmm. he's
1: somebody that I think he's got an MVP run in him too, right? Um, and, um, yeah, I think he's he's going to be really be kind of moving that team forward a lot coupled with Boba Matt Chapman, Alejandro Kirk, um and on and that note,
0: it, go ahead. It's funny you bring up Vladdy's offense because he's actually pretty good defensively too. You know, he, he's not a, a slouch at first base. Not a slouch, not a
1: slouch. No, I would I uh, not a slouch at all, I would say, but um but uh yeah, I think he's, I mean, he's just got a, he's just got a lot, I think still going for him. And it's still kind of weird that we talk about these guys for a long time. And Vladdy is still only, yeah, he's going to be 24 during next season. So like, he's still, he's Mm -hmm. still super young. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of upside with this blue Jays team, right. Um, Boba Shett, um, Alejandro Kirk's, um, a great hitter, Alex Manoa on the pitching side of thing. There's a lot of upside with this team. And if I had to, plays my bets right now, right? I feel like they are probably. Um, I think they are the, probably the best team in the AL East right now. I think the Yankees are still a couple steps behind, right? Just given the Yankees' end of the year performance or the second half season performance. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the the one kind of looking at the Blue Jays in totality, like I did this kind of week, right? Um, I did see that like they are kind of right-hander heavy in the starting rotation as well. Um, I kind of mm-hmm. thought Maniah was going to be a good fit, and then you promptly um, called me called me out when as soon as the Giants signed Mania. So, um, <laughs> I uh, <clears throat> so yeah, they went out and got uh, Chris Bassett instead, um, and Chris Bassett is just uh, just a super solid pitcher. Like I feel like he's just going to be um, you know, especially if the Mariners come down into the wild card stretch next year, and the Blue Jays are right there um Mm -hmm. you know chris bassett's probably gonna be someone that's gonna really try to push i think maybe i might get the blue jays over in some aspect right um but there's so there's a lot of upside with this team jose barrios is right there jose barrios had a really bad 2022 um yeah but uh he's somebody that there's a lot of upside that he might break through at some point right um uh but again right-hander heavy right-hander heavy <laughs> everywhere on the blue jays right you say Kikuchi is the is the lefty that's penciled into the starting rotation right now um so mm-hmm. i felt like they i felt like the blue jays could probably still use another left-handed arm somewhere right but um you know i think the team that they have right now is still the best team in the al um uh, and, you know, super right-hander heavy. I'll be curious to see if they go get a left-handed bat at some point, but they also need some lefties in the bullpen. I thought Andrew Chafin might be a good fit for them. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think on my lookout, they might also be fighting with us and be a rival in the Michael Conforto race on the left-hander side, but um, Michael Brantley would be another name to look out for them. But um, I think that they're going to be a pretty good baseball team. They got a lot of upside. Um and uh, it's definitely a team to be on the lookout for next year as the mirrors are trying to climb the ranks and them themselves, trying to be a team that's a lot of upside that breaks through next year.
0: Yeah. yeah. I really wanted them a couple years ago to to really develop Griffin Conine, um, who's the son of Jeff Conine. So they could have all on their major league roster, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, um, Kevin Biggio, and Griffin Conine. That would have been... That would have been awesome to see, because those are guys that we we grow up, you know, watching their dads, you know, more so Vladdy Jr. than probably the rest of those guys. But Dante Bichette and and Craig Biggio, um and and Jeff Conine, especially with the Marlins, he was part of that 2003 team that uh, went and won it all. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, he was probably on the 97 team too that won it all. It, it's really sad to say that the Marlins. I've won two world series to the Mariners zero, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you on that super solid team. Um, you know, just like the Mariners, they their young guys are could continue to get better every year. Uh, Vladdy's only 24 Bo Bichette. I think only 23 or 24. He's still young. So, and then they got the veteran presence in, in Matt Chapman and, and George Springer. Um, so definitely, definitely the team to watch out for in the AL East. I, I, Kind of think the Yankees are still above them, um, but again, that's all you know—subjective or, or objective. I don't know how you want to put that. So, um, yeah, I we'll think just have to Yankees, see going in.
1: Yeah, I think the Yankees are another team that has a little bit of upside, right? Um, with some of the prospects they have, but um, yeah, I just think that Vladdy. I think Vladdy could. I think Vladdy's ceiling is still pretty high. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Boba Shett got off to a rough start last year. Um, I just think that the, the ceiling is pretty high for this blue Jays team. Um, and like I said, they were the one team that played the Astros really, really well last year. Um, just another kind of point for them, but um, the Mariners played the blue Jays really well all throughout the year. So um, point to the Mariners there, I would say in the, on the pitching side of things, I think the Mariners have a big advantage over the blue Jays, right? On, starting pitching out of the bullpen, right? Um, The offense, if we could just, you know, if we could just tap into a little bit of how good that Blue Jays offense is, that'd be awesome. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, the Blue Jays definitely have the advantage there.
0: One thing you put in your notes is they have a couple impact prospects in Gabriel Marino and Ricky Teedman. Gabriel Marino, I think came up in September last season, Mm -hmm. um, was was one of the September call-ups. I think – one of their they you, you put that they have a really good catching situation I think um they end up trading um not Kirk uh who's the other catcher for me, Help Day, me out uh, here.
1: Danny Jansen yep. Danny
0: Jansen I think they trade Danny Jansen I think Moreno's more than ready to mm. to at least be the backup to Alejandro Kirk mm. um and I, I think Danny Jansen I think they can go get a left-handed bat by trading Danny Jansen
1: yeah, they've got a um and uh with with Wilson Contreras um signing and Sean Murphy getting traded, um the catcher market's becoming a little thin, right? So like I think they've got they've got a good incentive to go try to move. Yeah, Danny Jansen probably. I think that's uh I guess, I think you're probably right on there is that's probably definitely a move that I think they try to make just based on where the catcher market is moving right now. So, um, and Gabriel mm. Moreno, um, you know, Alejandro Kirk, I think is, um, I think is probably better fit for like a DH role. Right. Um, um, just cause he, that guy's just a pure hitter. Um, so we'll
0: see. He I, is, he is built like a, uh, a brick house,
1: right? And he's only the five foot eight, right? It's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> but he's uh yeah. yeah, he's a hell of a hitter. So let's we'll
0: see. Yep. That you know that could be it. You put Kirk at DH and you you put Moreno behind the plate. There you go. Yep. Have Kirk catch you know every three days, four days, to give Moreno a rest, and uh, there you go. You got a you got a pretty decent lineup, barring you know injuries and you know add one or two left handed bats. So yep. yeah. So um, obviously they're going to be probably the 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 biggest competition when it comes down to wild card situations i mean if they're the best team in the l east you mean in your mind they're probably gonna compete for that title um with the yankees but i i, I certainly see them in the running at least for the the first wild card spot so
1: yeah well let me kick it over to you now um i guess the i i kind of like this team so it's difficult for me to call them a rival because um Maybe I'm a little biased for their for their catcher, but like, um, yeah, I guess I'll kick it over to you for the for the Orioles side of things.
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, the Orioles kind of shocked everyone last year. Um, They were uh, in many aspects uh, put to lose to finish under 500, potentially lose 80, 90, 100 games, and they didn't do that. They finished 83 and 79 under manager Brandon Hyde. Brandon Hyde ended up being second in the AL uh manager year voting, which still kinda sours me, but uh knowing we lost to him and Terry Francona, you know, doesn't hurt too bad. I, I wish Cervas would have won it, um, for what he did. But um yeah, eighty three and seventy nine, that includes going I had this pulled up here, forty five and thirty six on the road, thirty eight, forty three or 45-36 and 36 at home, 38-43 on the road. Um, April, they didn't start out too hot. In May, they kind of brought it closer to 500. But June, July, and August is really where they kind of put themselves into the conversation. Coincidentally, your boy Adley Rushman came up in May, towards the end of May. Um, I think his first game was May 20th. And uh, that's when they started turning around. Um, they were... 500 or better, um, except for September and they were two and three in October. So, um, Adley came in and, and definitely was a, um, big, big impact on that team. Um, I, the obvious way to go about this is to talk about Adley Rushman. There's one guy I want to mention before him. Um, he was hurt in April, second start of the season. Um, hurt his elbow, ended up going to get Tommy John surgery. Um, Mariners fans know him because in 2021, he threw a no-hitter against the Mariners. Um, he, his name is John Means. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about their pitching later on, and, and I really think they need to improve their pitching just a little bit to keep them in the hunt of things. But um, it certainly does not hurt that John Means is going to come back. Um, I kind of look at him at least in 2020, 2021, as like the Felix of the uh, Orioles. Um, he went 6-9, and nine, but had a three sixty two ARA. Um, he threw really good baseball um, for a lot of that season and, again, threw a no-hitter against the Mariners. So um, he was activated off the aisle on November 10th. It sounds like he might be ready to go for opening day. Um, you know, if I'm a betting man, he's going to be – the opening day starter for the Orioles. So big, uh, big person to come back for them. Um, And then obviously, you know, you you can't talk about the Orioles without talking about Addoe Rushman. Um, Did you know, Bo, that he was drafted out of high school by the Mariners in 2016?
1: I did know that. I did know that. I
0: I did not. That's something I learned. 40th round pick out of high school. Um, He went to school in Oregon, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, he decided to forego that and he went to Corvallis to go play for Oregon State, where, uh, you know, he was the number one ball player um, in, in college baseball at one point. Um, and that led him to going from drafted in the 40th round in 2016 to 2019, being the first overall draft pick. So um, definitely raised his stock in college. Um, he's only 24 years old. And he looks to be the future of the Orioles, um, you know, if not just the Orioles, like, future of the catching position in the MLB. Um, he, in a short sample size, you know, from the end of May to the end of the year, Two fifty four average, 13 home runs, four forty five slugging, three sixty two on on-base percentage. He got MVP votes. He was 12th in the MVP running, finished second in the Rookie of the Year voting to Julio. So, there's not much else you can say about Adley. He's going to be he's going to be you know, if they don't hand out a C, he is the leader of that that clubhouse. Um
1: what do you think about kind of, yeah, maybe what do you think about the guy that the one guy that voted for Adley over Julio for the rookie of the year vote, right? The one guy that voted it. said because kind of what you're saying, right? Like coming starting in May, Adley like came on and it kind of seemed like the Orioles took off from there. Right. Do you think that that mm-hmm. was, I guess I, I agree with the logic, but like, do you, I mean, do you kind of agree with that in a certain sense? Right. Like not agree with that he should have gotten the vote, but like, I guess the logic makes sense. It kind of seems like he powered that team. Right.
0: The the logic makes absolute sense. I think Julio should have been a unanimous rookie of the year. Um, do you take out, you take out April for Julio? And I think he is the unanimous rookie of the year, Um, you know, one bad month. And then he comes in and, you know, helps lead the team to the playoffs. Um, I'm not mad though, because, uh, you know, I'm not an Adley super fan like you, but I'm glad if we didn't get the unanimous vote that that one vote went to Adley, you know, he needs to get some recognition. And honestly, he's going to be another player, another young player that's going to be in the running for MVP. You know, um, I don't. I don't know what kind of comparison you put. Um, he could definitely be, if we're talking recent generation, definitely the Buster Posey of the Orioles. You know, come in, win the MVPs, and and really take charge of that pitching staff to, uh, you know, to to lead them to hopefully the playoffs and hopefully hopefully you know more success than the playoffs. Um, you know, that's coming from a Mariners fan that wants the Mariners to do the same thing, but. Um, You know, a lot of talk about Adley. Orioles still have the best um, farm system in the MLB. Um, Depending on where you look, uh, they have six top 100 prospects, including um, the guy who's either one or two on many lists, Gunnar Henderson. Um, I think he came up in September, got a little playing time, but I think that's a good look, and he could potentially track the opening day roster especially with some of the uh, the people that um, the Orioles could look to trade, including Anthony Santander. Um, but outside of Henderson, they got Grayson Rodriguez, who's going to be a great pitcher. Jackson Holiday, who's the son of Matt Holiday. Col- Colton Cowser, try to say that five times fast. Um, Jordan Westberg and D.L. Hall, another D.L. Hall's a lefty pitcher. So... Um, this team's kind of stacked for the future, and and that could lead to um, some players getting traded next season and the season after, um, as as these guys get ready to come up. Um, the the big one I just mentioned was Anthony Santander. He's kind of on the block. He's he's slotted in in left field or right field right now at one of the corner positions, but could get traded for to make way for Gunnar um, Henderson. So. Um, outside of Adley, this team last season was led by, uh, Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle offensively. Um, those were kind of the, the three slash Adley four guys that, um, you know, were kind of the mainstays in the Orioles lineup. Uh, at the deadline, the Orioles traded Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez. Um, I don't know about Yubo, but, um the only person that I was kind of rooting to get a ring last season was Trey Mancini just because of his story, um, beating cancer and, and coming back and being able to play at a high level professional baseball. So, um, yeah, target. no, I,
1: I agree with that. I think um, Trey Mancini just has a, a good story and um, I, I, uh, yeah. I get good to win a ring. I wish it was with a different team, but, um, yeah, he yeah. was, he was, he was a good story through especially through like the Orioles have been bad the last couple of years. And he just kind of stuck through it all. So, um, fully agree on that one. Yep.
0: And and he really raised the stock the last couple weeks. He was with the, uh, the Orioles. He had a, a couple big hits, won them a couple games and, uh, you can really tell that he was kind of, uh, he was kind of torn up when he got traded because, you know, that was the only franchise that he knew at that point. And they, again, they supported him through um, a lot, him going through cancer treatments and stuff like that. So, um, you know, at least he ended up with the ring again. Wish he would have uh, won it with a different team. but um, And then Jorge Lopez ends up going to the Twins. Um, he actually had a very good season for both organizations. Um, so um you know hopefully hopefully the mariners have him on the radar cuz I, I would like to go pick up a a guy like jorge lopez but um anyways uh moving on there like i said they, they've got a very good bright future in the farm system and i think that's leading them to not do much in free agency um and and they really aren't a premier free agent destination uh, their biggest signings this year so far have been Kyle Gibson, uh 10-year vet starting pitcher. I think he last pitched with the Phillies. And then Omar, uh, outfielder Nomar Mazzara and Franchi Cordero both got minor league contracts. Um, they claim Lou and Davis off waivers from the Pirates. Um, so, yeah, again, not a big premier free agent destination, at least this season. And and a couple guys like Jordan Lyles, Robinson uh, Chirinos, Jesus Aguilar and uh, Rudnid Odor, all electing free agency. I guess the question I have here for you, Bo, um, do you think this could be a premier destination going forward? Once we get more of those minor league guys into, um, onto their team, you know, you got the Henderson, Gunnar Henderson, Grayson Rodriguez, Jackson Holiday, you know, they get up there. You think that'll kind of bring more people into Baltimore to play?
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, um, I mean it's uh I kind of feel like East Coast teams kind of get I don't want I'll, I'll just say I think East Coast teams get a little bit more of a pull it kind of seems like at least from our current experience with certain players right but like um yeah you're talking about getting all these guys up um and I think the big thing is just like and I don't know from your research or what you saw but like the Orioles like have money to spend like money that's just burning a hole in their pocket like Kyle Gibson's mm-hmm. going to be their highest paid player next year and he's making 10 million dollars, right? Yeah. Um like uh I I guess I was a little shocked on, on that note of like I thought it was going to be a destination um and I don't know what you kind of thought about it but like I was I honestly I thought that like coming into this off season, that Trey Turner or Carlos Correa were actually going to be pretty good fits for this team, right? Just based upon the lack of commitments that they have in the future. And like, this is a team that seems really close that, um, you know, you just add another bat in the middle of the lineup. Um, you know, they don't have, they don't have as strong as a middle infield. Right. Like I kind of thought that one of those guys is almost going to be a slam dunk for the Orioles. just based upon like, yeah, the lack of commitments and the money that they haven't spent, but they just haven't seemed like they're, they like, they want to make that jump. I guess that's kind of see what it seems like. I,
0: I I agree with you on them being good fits. I think there's a difference between being good fits and being a destination where players potentially want to win baseball games. I mean, there's a lot of players that are driven by the almighty dollar. Um, but, but, um, I feel like those are two guys that, that certainly want to win, get back to the playoffs. You know, Correa went to the twins in hopes that they get to the playoffs and kind of didn't do anything. I mean, he had a good season. Twins really didn't. Um, you know, so uh, I, I I, guess I'm answering my own question here. I, I think once those guys get up there, you're going to have a winning ball club. Winning ball clubs are going to attract more, more, uh, you know, people that are going to buy into it. But um, yeah, yeah, Kyle, yeah I, I, I... I didn't know Kyle Gibson was going to be the highest played player at $10 million. That's actually really shocking.
1: Yeah, and I guess I should say, like, the the farm system is so deep that, like, some of these guys are going to pan out, right? And, like, um, you know, I mean, there's a very good chance, right? We're looking at a team that I I don't know how well the Yankees are going to be on top for the next couple of years. The Red Sox seem like they might be. Um, I will say, like, they kind of seem like they might be on the way down a little bit. Um, mm mm-hmm the rays kind of are kind of in the middle ground. We don't really know what the rays are going to do. And, you know, we know the blue Jays are going to be good. So, um, yeah, I mean, if the Orioles hit on a couple of these guys and, um, you know, bring the crowds back to Baltimore and there's a lot of excitement around the team, um, you know, I absolutely feel like there'll be a place that players want to go to. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think it all depends on how well they perform over the next year, year, yeah, the next year, year, two years, somewhere in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and one of the note or one of the questions I put in the uh, outline for the this week's show is 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 twenty twenty two is is what they did in twenty twenty one going to be sustainable in twenty twenty two? I think the obvious thing you could look at is getting that pitching help. You know, John Means coming back, Kyle Gibson could certainly help them. On the pitching side of things, they probably could use a little bullpen help. Um, Blue 13 saves. But but really, their pitching was kind of middle of the road. 397 ERA as a whole, which is middle of the pack. And actually, they had 17 shutouts in 2022, which was 7th in baseball. Um, you, you had a couple more pitchers there, and I certainly think they could win 90 games. Um, we were looking at it before the show started. In terms of park factor offensively, Camden Yards was the number one ball, ballpark in 2021 20, to hit home runs. Um, for fans that don't know, between 2021 and 2022, um, the, the Orioles added um, some – they added a wall in left field. They pushed their their fence back, added a wall that's it's dubbed the mini green monster because, honestly, it's not as tall as Fenway Park's green monster, but it's still a pretty high wall. And that significantly cut down on home runs to the right side of the, or to the left field, you know, um, to right-handed hitters. Um, they went from one, number one in park factor offensively to 26th in 2022. That certainly could keep going down, you know, if if you get great pitching in there, um, you know, that that's a pretty big wall around that whole outfield. Um, you know, the wall, the wall on right field is actually got the scoreboard too. So it's at least double what left field is and left field's pretty tall. So, um, you know, certainly they can bring in a couple pitchers and they really, really could be a really good pitching team going forward. Um, And then just improving your, your, your young guys, not just your, your farm system, but your um, Mount castles, Um, Cedric Mullins, who came out in 2021, broke out, was an all-star. kind of had a little bit of a down year this season but but had you know almost 20 home runs 30 steals and and all that stuff and Austin Hayes kind of was the was the guy that broke out this season offensively for the Orioles so I think they have a lot of uh, lots of positives going forward right now the Mariners in my mind are the better team on paper Um, you know the Mariners just have I, I really think they have a better offense. They certainly have a better pitching staff um, than the Orioles. But uh, you're you know when we started this, you weren't um, wrong in saying this is going to be a team to watch, and it's one of your favorite teams outside of the Mariners because it's certainly it's certainly going to be fun with Rushman and and Gunnar Henderson coming up in the next couple years and and them competing. So
1: yeah, I mean, I mean they're going to have a good farm system. It's just going to be a fun little team to to watch. I think over the twenty twenty three season. Um, yeah, I think like the Blue Jays, the the Mariners play the Orioles six times. So, what mm-hmm. would you peg? What would you peg the record at of the of the of those six games?
0: Um, for the Orioles, I see us going four and two, five and one. I certainly certainly see us being over five hundred against them. Uh, For the Blue Jays, I think it's a very, very safe bet if I was to bet um, on any of the six games in uh, Las Vegas, I'd go three and three, you know, 500 record against them. Um, You know, those are just going to be games that if the Mariners are going to win them, they're going to have to have their offense step up against the Blue Jays. You've got to out hit the Blue Jays, and that's what everyone has to do. We did that in the playoffs. So next season, you know, you, certainly that first se- series against the Blue Jays um, is going to be a big series for them, for for both teams. Blue Jays are going to want redemption. The Mariners are going to want to show, hey, it wasn't a fluke last season. Um, but yeah, the Orioles, I see, is going four and two, five and one. Um, they're not quite there yet, but they will be. They will be, and they're they're the team to watch in the AL. Not in Mariners, so
1: like okay. it. Yep. Nope. I agree. Um it's a fun team, big Ali Rutschman fan. Um I think that I think the Orioles are a little prime to make like a Luis Castillo move, right? Like uh Yeah. The pitching side of things and like their upper tier pitching in the prospect side of things isn't a like, they got Grayson Rodriguez, but like I think they might be primed to go get a pitcher. I guess that's what I'm saying. You mentioned like trading, trading some of the prospects to go get some guys, right? Like, yep. I think the Orioles are are primed to do some big move like that at the deadline to go get to go get some help on the pitching side of things. I think they are they are perfectly primed. If to do that. if
0: they're if they're if they're in contention, I don't see that if happening. If they're in contention, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if they go well under 500. Um, in the first half of the season, in the second half, they won't be doing that. But if they're in, if they're in contention, yeah, absolutely, I could see that happening. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, where where do you see the? You said the the Blue Jays are the clear-cut number one team in the AL East. Where do you see the Orioles slot, man? Do you do you see them taking that two spot over the Yankees, or or what are you doing with them? Um
1: i have the orioles probably um hmm. the the zips projections came out let me pull up the zips projections real quick i've got i think i want i think i want to put the orioles um uh i think i want to put the orioles three in the al Mm -hmm. east but I couldn't tell you who I want to put number two. Um, hmm.
0: I don't know if I can. And, and what's here. the Zips, Zips projection saying here?
1: So Zips projection Wait. by Daniel Szymborski says that um, well, he actually has the Orioles finishing fifth. Um, wow. But that's still at a 78 and 84 record clip. So like, that's still nothing to slouch <laughs> about. So yeah, um, but he does have the Blue Jays first and then the Rays right there and then the Yankees and then the Red Sox and the Orioles. So, um, maybe, based what, maybe Rays based up upon Yankees that, song. maybe based upon that, I will put the Orioles fourth, but, um, there, I mean, the AL is always good. And now with a more balanced schedule, um, you know, they might, they're going to play more games against the West and the central now. So, um, I, uh, yeah, they could. I mean, they could. Even even if they're fourth in the AL East, they're still going to make a run at a playoff spot. So, um,
0: yeah. Yep. I I mean, you could you could argue too. Now they probably play in the most pitcher friendly park in the AL East. You know, with with Toronto and and Yankee Stadium and Fenway being just pure hitters parks. So yeah, go get some go get some pitching there, Orioles, and uh, you know show people that you can win at home. So yep. Maybe maybe next week we can laugh at the Red Sox, if, you know, about how how terrible their off season's going and how terrible their team's going to be next season. But
1: yeah, if they could just fork over uh, Rafael Devers, that would be that would be really nice in the future. If they just let him go, we could spend all our money on him. But anyways, yep, 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 yep. I digress with the Red Sox. Yep.
0: <laughs> well, that is uh, that's today's show. Actually, you know, Bo, I got one more thing. I I asked you before the the episode started if you had a trivia question for me. And you know what? I have a trivia question for you. Oh
1: boy. Okay.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay. So, I'm going to lay it on you and then we'll get out of here. JP Crawford hit his first home run with the Phillies, okay? okay? He started with the Phillies. He was he came up. He hit his first home run. Who did he hit that first home run off of?
1: Um, do I do I get hints or I get guesses? Do I get...
0: I, I, I'll progress your hints. Okay. Okay. He hit it against an NL team.
1: Against an NL team. Okay. And so
0: it wasn't an interleague matchup. Okay. It wasn't in an AL ballpark, and I think it was at home in in Citizens Bank Park. So. Okay, Um, the team he hit it against is an NL Central team. NL Central team.
1: Um, let's think. Um, NL Central.
0: Uh, Let's go, John Lester. That is not correct. My next, my next. We'll probably give it away, so I'll just give it to you. The pitcher at the time pitch for the Cincinnati Reds.
1: Time pitch for the Cincinnati Reds. Luis Castillo.
0: Yes. Yes, it was. Wow. JP did his first home run off of Luis Castillo. So. Wow. That's a good
1: one. Yeah. That's a good one. Anyway. I, I
0: saw it on a fan page. I I thought it'd be a good uh, a good trivia question for you to see if you can deduce that. Actually, one of my hints was going to be you spent time in this ballpark itself. Ah, uh, you know, for gotcha. for those of you that yeah. don't know, Bo Great did man. work for the Reds at one point. Great, um, nothing in management. It was it was mainly just office work, right? Yep, but, pretty uh, much. Yep, yeah, yeah. Actually, maybe one of these days, Bo, will do a podcast talking about your time in like Idaho Falls and stuff, working in the Royals organization, meeting guys like uh Hunter Dozier and and guys that were a part of that 2015 Royals run. So yeah, we can do that. Yeah. yeah, Maybe one of these days, maybe one of these days. So anyways, folks, again, that's our show, you know, thank you for taking time to listen to us. Um, Next week, like I said, we're going to do the AL central, a couple teams from there. And then uh, that'll kind of wrap up, wrap up the teams that we're kind of, you know, looking out for in 2023. Um, Bo, you got any uh, parting wisdom before we uh, head out of here?
1: Um, no, I think I'm, I think I'm tapped out. I think I'm, I
0: think I'm done for the day. So, no, that's all good. Appreciate it. No. Good, good, good. All right. For all our listeners in the P- Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, we want to thank you for taking your time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next. Time.